welcome to The Fulfillment Project. I'm your host, Sarah Fennell, international fitness model and former IFBB pro figure athlete, turned personal development sponge, entrepreneur, and online marketing junkie. I want to have it all in life, and I am not afraid to admit it. This show is for high-performing, high-vibing humans who are ready to take action, step through their fears, and up-level their life and business. Join me as we take one more step closer to that today. Hi, Rita. Thank you so much for joining me on The Fulfillment Project today. Thank you, Sarah. I'm excited. I love the title. I love this new project and uh, honored to be your guest today. Beautiful. I love connecting with friends from social media and, you know, before we started recording here, talking about how long we've actually known each other but never actually talked. So I'm really excited and I have so many questions for you today. I'm excited. Super excited. So I would love for you to take me back to how you got into the fitness industry and, and where this whole, I mean, I guess I can call it an evolution because I've watched you over the years, how this whole evolution has uh, started for you. Wow. I think it all started with, I hope this doesn't sound cliche, but with the birth of my daughter. So I was in an unhealthy relationship with my body and with my mindset and with everything. And I think with the birth of my daughter, it just kind of gave me the permission and the excuse to make some positive changes in my life physically so that I could be a great role model for this baby. And I, and I knew I could, I knew it was in me. I just knew I had to make some changes to be able to, to show her first instead of just using words and telling her things that I didn't want her to repeat. So it started with simply joining a gym. I had never joined a gym until I was 27 years old. That's when I had my daughter. And that was back in 2007. And I, I joined a gym and I looked around and I went to a body pump class. I was eight weeks postpartum because that's how new, that's how soon I knew I wanted to get started on this. I didn't want to wait, you know, and you know that you know that you know that you need to change. It's like you either do it right now and you don't prepare to get ready So I didn't work on the mindset first. I didn't, you know, read a bunch of books. I just jumped into my local good life and I started doing these body pump classes, which I'm sure, you know, I don't know if you have uh, uh, listeners from all over, but it's essentially like a a lightweight class with an instructor for an hour. And throughout the next few weeks, as I was doing these classes, I started to feel empowered physically. Like, man, I pushed through that rep, even though I wanted to stop, or I pushed through the resistance and I feel that much better on the other side. And slowly over a year, it didn't happen overnight. I started to change my mindset and thought, wow, if I can start making these changes in my body and start pushing through resistance in the gym, what else can I do? The only missing part for me was the nutrition. So I was still, you know, drinking a lot, eating, you know, I'm from an Italian household where abundance of food was all I knew. And I didn't know even what a carb or a fat was. I just knew it was like, it was either pasta with red sauce or white sauce. Like those were my options. So that's what I continued to do. And I remember walking out of this body pump class one day and seeing this woman in the, in the weight room. And I looked at her body and all I remember thinking was, I want that. I've always been attracted. I've been reading oxygen magazines for so many years. I, I really loved that female sculpted body. I was never one to look at, you know, a skinny runway girl and say, I want to look like that because I think deep down inside of me, I knew I couldn't because of genetics or whatever, that I wasn't built that specific way. But I knew I could get the body of these hard earned golden statues and physiques because I knew it was about hard work and, and lifestyle changes. So I, most people, what they would do when they see somebody like this, they'd walk away or they, I don't know, they would dream about doing that. But I 
pranced up to this girl with my postpartum body and my oversized t-shirt. And I just sat there and said, wow, I'm in awe of your body. How did you do it? You know, how did you do it? And she actually gave me some advice. I picked up the body sculpting Bible. I'll never forget that book. I still have it. It's tattered. The body sculpted Bible by James Villapug and Hugo Rivera. I picked that up and I started reading and I started incorporating and I, and I ventured out to the weight room with this book. It was like my Bible. And I started, you know, lifting heavier and taking more rest. And I started eating more protein and I started lowering a little bit of the sugar and the alcohol and little by little, my body reacted and adapted to all of these changes. And that's when I decided to do my first fitness show because I wanted to prove to myself that I, that I could, you know, and that was for me at that time, you have to remember this is over, you know, 10, 11 years ago, that was my way and my idea of getting into, well, maybe I want to be an oxygen magazine. Maybe I want to do this. That was my gateway into the fitness world. Mm. I love that. I love that book. And I, actually, it's so funny you, you mentioned know? that because I bought that book when I started out too. Before I knew what fitness shows were, I just, I knew I wanted to build muscle and sculpt my body. And it's funny looking back or even wanting to do a fitness show because it wasn't all over social media the way it is now. And where did you get that idea from to start competing? I think it was just through the oxygen magazines. I had a girlfriend who had competed up North years before she showed me some of her pictures. And I said, do you think that's possible for me? And she said, absolutely sign up for a local show. And that's what I did. It was SAF. Gosh, I don't even remember the year. I went over this with Carol the other day we were talking about, it. I think it was 20, 2009, I think was my first show. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking on stage and there was like 20 some women and they were all so sculpted and, and, and poised. And, you know, I, I felt like I knew nothing because I didn't do anything, but you know, I did all my own things. I didn't hire a coach. I did my own tan. I bought a bikini at bikini village. I, you know, I didn't know all the ins and outs. You, you learn that as you go. Right. And I remember, I, I, I think I got 19th out of 20th or maybe I was dead last. And I remember walking off that stage in that moment thinking, man, I will never do this again. And the minute I got home, I said, but why I can do better than me. There was no girl on that stage that said that I said, I want to be her. I just knew that I could be a better, I could do better next time. I could, you know, up my game or, or do this or do that differently. I knew that muscle didn't happen overnight too. So obviously I prepared for that show in a few months. I knew that I had to kind of go back to the drawing board and keep going. And seven, I dedicated seven years of my life and 17 shows to, to competing. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, it's, it's like anything you need to start somewhere and we're not rock stars, whether it's business or fitness shows or even being a mom, it's, Absolutely, you learn along that process. Now, I mean, you've managed to develop a health and fitness business out of this. And so what were you doing as a career back then? And what was that transition into the, the industry from a professional standpoint for you? I was teaching, I was lost. I, I, I was born a seeker. You know, some people are born certain ways. I was born always see, seeking and searching something. So I was teaching ECE because I had just moved back to Canada from spending five years in Spain. That's where my husband's from. And I was kind of lost. I didn't know what to do with my degree. And so I started teaching early childhood education and I don't like children. <laughs> I like my child. I'm not a big, you know, <laughs> roll around on the ground and play with kids. And, 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 and it was just, I didn't feel fulfilled. And I love that, you know, this is the fulfillment project because I did not feel fulfilled. And when I found fitness and I had become this person that I didn't even recognize, I thought, well, if I can do this and I can get on stage and if I can transform my body, I can transform my life. So 
people started asking me, Rita, you know, you've transformed your body. Can you help me? So I started on the side after work, meeting people at the gym, meeting moms at the gym. And I would lift the weight for them and put it in their hands because I, now I don't think it is, now I find it a lot less taboo. I find that tons of women are in the weight room, more women than men. You know, I don't think it's as daunting, but sometimes I have to go back to that place of where I started. And maybe it is daunting for some of them. Um, and so I, I held the weight from them. I put it in their hands. And it felt so, I had so much satisfaction in seeing changes in other people's bodies, more than almost my own transformation. That I thought, wow, this is empowering. I need to be in a position of serving women to some degree or another. So I decided to get certified. I decided to leave my job and become a personal trainer and ask my husband and my family for support. If this, I don't know which way this is going to go, if it's going to be lucrative or not, but this is my dream and let's go for it. And, you know, let's, let's jump. And, and I guess the rest is kind of history. Mm-hmm. What did you do in those initial stages to grow your name, grow your brand and really start getting yourself out there? So apart from working in the gym, I, got, I, I, I built up a, um, uh, a waiting list quickly into working as a personal trainer because I knew that half of my transformation was through nutrition. So it wasn't enough counting people's reps in the gym, right? So I had my clients write me their meal plans after. So I was going above and beyond the typical, you know, hour in the gym with my client. We had meal back in, you know, 10 years ago and they were writing me what they were eating. I would write them back. I would offer recipes. We would do, they'd come to my house and I would do cooking things in, in the kitchen. Cause I knew that that was important. So my clients got results quickly. I had a waiting list quickly and then I had people outside of the gym in other cities saying, Rita, you know, if, can you help me transform my body? And I thought, well, I'm in London. How can I help you if you're in Toronto, if you're here? And so I started writing them online, like open word documents. I didn't have a logo. I didn't have a website. I didn't have anything, but I knew I could help these women. So I'd write them up meal plans and they'd check in with me and they started to get results. I said, wow. So then I, you know, went out and got a logo. And then I asked this person, actually, I did my own WordPress site. And then I started writing, I started researching back then who the photographers were, who, who did the photography for these top fitness magazines. And I started writing them and sending them pictures and sending them my ideas, you know, and for the first year, nobody wrote me back. Nobody knew anything about me, but I was persistent, consistent and deliberate in my dreams. So I just kept going. I just kept going. And I would hire local photographers who were not in the fitness industry. And I would somehow come up with these cool fitness shots and I'd send them to these magazines and I would start writing articles. And if no fitness magazine wanted to publish them, well, then I would publish them on a blog that I had control of. So I didn't wait for dreams to happen. I created dreams and slowly people catch on. People think, well, I've seen this name five times. I've had an email five times from this girl. I've read her blog. I've, you know, you create your own buzz. You don't wait for others to create it for you. And slowly doors started to open. And my, and I got to share this with you because it's just coming up again now. But, um, my first call for oxygen magazine was because it was within they called me the night before the shoot, which we know is fitness competitors or anybody listening here. You usually need a few weeks to prep mentally, physically, you're tan, you're this, you know, if you're manipulating water or not. And they called me the night before and they had a cancellation. Can you come to Toronto? I mean, I dropped everything and I ran to Toronto and that was my open opportunity. Somebody else's missed opportunity happened to be, and I shot for oxygen 24 different times. You know, I've been on their cover twice. So it all started with it wasn't handed to me on a silver platter. It was definitely through 
my own kind of deliberate and intentional focus and, and creating things that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Oh, so much goodness that you just said there. And I, it, I think like that really just comes down to, you need to get in action and you need to make it happen for yourself. And I feel so blessed nowadays with all the technology that we have. And I mean, you can create your own logo nowadays and there's all this like filtering and easy Photoshop stuff. And I feel like so many people get caught up in the prettiness of things yes. that they're not just putting themselves into action and asking and just getting the information out there because the information out there is far more important than what it really looks like, or if your colors match, or like, I mean, that's important moving forward. But because I remember back when I first got started too, and I look at some of the marketing stuff I did and it's like, Oh God, me too. People paid me. Oh God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but they didn't care, right? No. They wanted the content. They wanted the, the results. They wanted, yeah, yeah. They didn't care what it looked like along the way. And I think that's the problem nowadays. So many people spend so much time getting ready to get ready to get ready that they don't get in action. And then they lose themselves and their dreams along the way. You know, my favorite, favorite quote is jump off a cliff and build your plane on the way down. Mm. Right. So I've always done that. And I must say that maybe it's an innate character trait in me that I've done that, you know, but anybody can do that. Anybody can have that at their disposal. It's not because it's me or it's because it's you. It's just that, you know, between a rock and a hard place and your dreams, you, you kind of jump for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's also I'm like back there before social media was huge. It's, it's like ignorance on fire. Like you see what you want and you just go after it. And I find nowadays people get so caught up in that comparison train mm-hmm. and they're looking at what everybody else is doing. Whereas before when social media wasn't that big, it's kind of like, you're just throwing everything at the wall, hoping something will stick, will stick. and it will <laughs> eventually. Yes. So you've, you've been successful, you know, in the long run, you've, you've been in the industry for over 11 years, but a lot of people can struggle keeping that long-term vision or, or the evolution of their vision. What are some habits or rituals or tips that you can give to perhaps some people who are struggling or frustrated with the, the patience factor that it takes to build? I think you said it right there with the word evolution. I think complacency and becoming stagnant is everybody's biggest enemy because I could still be writing meal plans behind my computer, but I've chose to say, okay, what's, how can I grow? How can I further open my, my market? How can I serve this? What's the new trend? And I'm not saying to jump on trends, but if the world is moving this way, you know, and you're still over here using, you know, my space instead of Facebook, you know, then, then you have to obviously make some changes. So having a long-term career in whatever you're doing, whether it's fitness or not, it has to continually evolve and continue to be a little bit better than yesterday. And it doesn't mean better as in, you know, more money or or more shiny, but just better as in evolving, different, changing, um, you know, answering your client's needs, whatever that may, whatever that may look like. Right. For me, I've just, and authentic, right. Because for me and passionate, so you can't be, I couldn't be doing this for 11 years if I didn't love fitness and health and wellness. And I couldn't still be doing this. Right. So I think people have to really ask themselves the question before they jump on any kind of new project. Is this really what you want? And what is your big vision? What's your vision in 30 days? What's your vision in three years? What's your vision in 10 years? And kind of everything you do should be kind of put through that vision filter. You know, I live my life through filters and I always ask myself questions. Is the decision I'm making right now and is this 
you know, choice. Is this path in the road, the left or the right, which one of these is going to, you know, answer or, or go through the filter of my final vision. Right. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should always be asking ourselves, is this going to, you know, it may feel like a step back sometimes. And sometimes you need to do that if in, if it's not instant gratification, because you see the overall vision. Mm-hmm. And I think and I use that word evolution. And I'm glad that you're using it as well, because as humans, we're always evolving. And I think that a lot of people think that they're trying to arrive at something. Mm-hmm. So they get that anxiety of I'm not there yet. But I, you're never there. You're never there. Like, do you feel like you have it all together? No, never there. <laughs> Even with my own body transformation, it's always changing, right? It's cons- like, I can't look at a picture of myself 10 years ago on stage and say, oh, I wish I looked like that again because I look different because muscle evolves, because your body evolves, because hormones change, because, I mean, you can't, you know, hold yourself to a certain, in anything, right? I look at it as an evolution and I don't look at it as a start and an end. And that's why, I mean, I use it for social media. I use before and after pictures, but what I always really want to show is the, is the in-between is the, is the struggle or the, the 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 sacrifice, the journey, because that's really what people will. And that's why I try to write or, you know, a blog or something to go along with that picture. So people can hear the story behind the glory. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, personal development is a, a key component for personal growth, business growth. And I believe it was a quote by Jim Rohn that says, your level of success will never exceed your level of personal development. When did you start getting into personal development and what are some major things that you have focused on over the years? I think when I decided to stop competing, um, what was at the Arnold's in Europe? I think it's been four years now. I, I was in this kind of dark space because I spent seven years attaching my worth and my value to my physical body. And I know like you're, 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 I'm not you're shaking like, your head oh, up yeah. and down because you know exactly what I'm talking about because my claim to fame and the way people got to know me was through this physical transformation. It wasn't through my word. It wasn't through my anything else, my brain, my heart, my soul. It was just through physical body. So I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? I hung up my heels. I've retired from this physical part. Now what? You know, now what? So I, I really struggled, but somehow found or knew that inside of me, I had to make changes and develop other parts of myself, just like I developed muscles to be able to go out into the world and offer another Rita, another part of Rita, not a different Rita, just another aspect, another hat, another phase, another, another, you know, realm of Rita. So I I did, I spent a lot of time on, oh, my spiritual self on meditating. I switched over to yoga for a few years, which I still incorporate in my, in my routine. I, you know, went back to the kitchen. So I was raised in a typical Italian household with an apron on and and all the food that we talked about. And those seven years of competing, I I lost that. I lost that part of me. I lost kind of the deep soul, soulfulness of myself because I was literally all robot. I ate, I slept, I went to the gym and I carried Tupperware around with tilapia and chicken. So I went back to the kitchen. You know, I knew that that served me and that for me is fulfilling. So I went back to the kitchen and I started experimenting and then that turned out to be a healthy cooking show that I had on TV for three years. So that was kind of a part of that journey and it wasn't a goal of mine. It just, it just came to fruition through going back to basics for me, which was going back to my kitchen, going back to my roots, going back to my culture 
And then slowly I started, you know, listening to podcasts and reading books and going to events and then throwing my own women's empowerment weekends where we would all come together and share. And I think it was through those weekends sharing with other women who the majority were older than me and just listening to them. And they had come to be part of my weekend, but I ended up learning so much more, more from them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really how we all learn, right? Just talking and this is why we're doing the podcast and, and hearing different stories. And it's interesting when you get to the point in your life where you realize that this is no longer serving me, but you've built your whole identity around it. Mm-hmm. Now going through those dark f- stages, what did that feel like for you? Being, being in that space? Or- being in that space of realizing you wanted to evolve and that competing was, was not for you anymore and, and growing that next version of Rita. Well, you have so many different kind of, um, what's the word? Your brain kind of plays all these tricks on you. So it says, maybe you shouldn't compete or maybe you should go back to competing, competing. Who are you to stop? This is who you are. How are you going to make money? People are not going to come to you if you're not competing. Maybe you should go back to school. Maybe you should get a master's. Maybe, you know, all these things coming at you. And when you sit down with yourself quietly and say, what does my body, soul, mind, heart really want? Um, and I realized it wasn't going back and getting a master's in in Spanish language and literature because then I would, I I didn't, that wasn't speaking to me at that point. Right. So it was, I knew I had to do something myself and I knew I had to go through this kind of self-development journey to figure out what it was along the way. So, I mean, I've been with a company now for two years, a health and wellness company. And through that company, you know, I call it a paycheck attached to self-development because they are huge on self-development. And because of that company, I've seen Tony Robbins twice. You know, I'm going to see Brendan Bouchard this year. I've been part of masterminds. It's just, it's opened this whole new world up of self-development, which is an unending world, really. It's, it's mm-hmm. once you tap into it, it's addictive. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Have you had any mentors over the years or people who you've uh, mentored with or been coached by? I know you and uh, 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 Tosc- uh, Rita Toscano. Toscarino. Toscarino. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> All right. You there. made our, our names together. <laughs> uh, you guys spent a lot of time together. Was she a mentor for you? Yeah, she was. I mean, she's such a plethora of knowledge and just coming from the whole fitness empire of Robert Kennedy fitness. There was, you know, so many great nuggets, you know, taken from that. Um, I was still deep in my competing years and maybe not as open to, to things. So I was more about, you know, the physical body at that point. Um, one of my biggest mentors today is, is Chris Harder, uh, who I don't know if people listen to him or I'm sure they love him and, uh, Lori, they're amazing. Yeah. So they're amazing people in my life. They've, they've started as, as business partners, mentors and now they're some of our closest friends they're amazing people and everything they're just so true to everything they say it's not they don't put up a persona online they are even more generous and more abundant and more you know amazing in person than they actually are online so it's not a front it's real and they're amazing people and chris has really impacted the way i look at at money for example and the way that i that i believe that my cuz we're all born with you know, a financial blueprint or what we believe our self-worth is in terms of finances or the stories we tell ourselves. And he's really helped me kind of break through that in the past couple of years, especially coming from an immigrant immigrant family where we were taught to be humble and, you know, you, you should only earn so much and you should be grateful for that and all that. So he's helped me really break through that aspect of my life. 
Um, I have a mentor in London, England, who's an amazing woman. She's, uh, she actually came to me to help transform her body. We transformed her body, but she mentors me in, in so many other aspects of life. So, uh, that's Maria. She's amazing. And, and just, just people I meet, you know, apart from naming these people who people might know online, there's people I meet every day who influence and impact my life. It's just a matter of being open to everything around you and never thinking that, you've arrived. Right. So I know that I can learn from people every single day. My daughter is one of my biggest teachers, you know, she's only 10 years old. So. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to what you said uh, a couple lines ago about, about money and Mm -hmm. about limiting beliefs. And it's interesting, you know, we all come from, from different cultures. What were some of the the stories that you had to uh, recreate or, or get rid of that were going on? Yeah, that I was, you know, we, I had this dollar sign in my head that that was my set worth that once I reached that, that that was enough because more than that would be greedy or more than that would be, you know, or somehow I wasn't worth more than that because I've only worked so hard. And so I would sabotage myself whenever I reached that number and I didn't realize I was doing it. You know, I would, you know, get a little lazy, a little complacent. I wouldn't push as hard. I would say, like, okay, I'm set. And, and complacency is absolutely the worst. It's, you know, it's just like going backwards. And I would talk to Chris about this and he would help me change that. And I would, I would make stupid, I would make stupid comments all the time of like, oh, the people in first class and oh, this and that. And oh, I'm, you know, I always attached myself and my beliefs and identified myself with being this cultural person, you know speaks four languages. I'm all about the culture and the food, but not about luxury, not about money. Right. I'm not, I didn't, I didn't view myself in that world. And I still don't, as in, I'm going to choose the five-star resort over the two-star, not that it's better or worse, but why can't I, right. Or why can't I earn, you know, an unlimited amount of abundance to then be able to use my time to be able to give back. Right. And, And I love Chris's um, tagline, which is when good people make great money, they can do fan. What well, I, don't, I don't know it exactly, but when, when good people make money, they can do great things. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's so true. I mean, money I think has come so far too. And that was that other taboo in my life that he's really helped me break through. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because Joe and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and that money mentality and mindset and the limiting beliefs are, are really what comes down to stopping people's growth with business. Mm-hmm. They, they want to grow. They want to help people. Obviously, you know, they want a better lifestyle for themselves, but it's those beliefs that stop them in their way. And once you start to recognize them, that's when you can start to move through and they don't just shift right away, but it's, it's that, that self-realization. So it's great that you've had mentors to help you through that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, with entrepreneurship, it's, you know, we want money obviously to sustain our lifestyle, but fulfillment comes from the people you help. And I, you touched on that earlier in our conversation about changing people's lives is so fulfilling. It is. And the more people's lives you change, the more money you will make. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's almost like it has to go together. Right. And, and then if you're in a place of scarcity, you know, scarcity breeds scarcity, how can you then go and help people and mentor people and bring people up if you're in that same space and you can't, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you can't, you can't be in a physically healthy body. You can't have true wellness if you're financially struggling, right? Because that's part of the puzzle part of stress. Stress increases cortisol, which increases fat, which increases, you know, so all those things go together, right? When we look at holistic wellness, money is absolutely in there. So we have to, we have to look at that and address that. Mm -hmm. 
So with the company that you're working with now, how did you, and I mean, it's network marketing and I'd love to talk about that. How did you get involved? God, I was so skeptical for so long <laughs> because I had worked so hard on my brand for, I've only been involved with Isogenics for two years and I had worked so hard on my brand for eight years, like my name, my picture, my marketing. I never hired anybody. I never bought likes on Instagram. I mean, I did everything organically and authentically for so long that I thought if I attach this brand to my name, you know, how are people going to perceive me? And so I was skeptical and it's Lori, actually Lori and Chris Harder who introduced me to the product. And I trusted them, right? They're people I knew. They're people who I saw were good people. They had an abundant life. They had great energy. And I knew that the, the, the source of this was this company called Isogenics. So I said, I'm willing to give it a try. But I, I remember saying to Lori, but I don't want the product. I'm just going to tell people about it. And she said, well, that's not the way it works. You actually have to love this because it's about sharing something you love. It's being a product of the product and then going out and sharing it with people. We share, we don't sell. So I was like, okay. And within like two or three days, and this was at this point in my life where I was not financially free. I was not feeling abundance. I was kind of feeling frumpy. I wasn't competing and, and I needed something, right? So I tried the product. I got the product with my body within three days. And I was like, a light switch went off. And I don't know if it was through the cellular cleansing or through the actual having more nutrients in my body because I was kind of on a deprivation diet. I was still living the, the stage life for a while post stage that I was like, Oh my goodness. And that started you know, my mind again, like the very first transformation I had 10 years ago where I started working out at the gym, which trickled into this powerful person that I could be the same thing happened when I got that product in my body. I'm like, oh, I can, I can share this with the world. So I started sharing it with the world and two years later has, has changed our lives financially as well as the way we feel insides. And I think the biggest thing with Isogenics for me was the community that it created for me because I was used to working behind a computer by myself and building meal plans. And I convinced myself that I had zero need for connection, community, or anything like that. And through this network marketing company, I've noticed and I've received community, culture, you know, one-on-ones, you know, all this, this huge kind of tribe that I didn't have before isogenic. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Now you mentioned it and I'd love to get into about the stigma behind network marketing. And I mean, uh, it's marketed in a way to make money fast and, uh, you know, financial freedom. And, you know, I, there's so much more that goes into that, that I feel like a lot of people don't really understand. So how long has it taken you to really build up that business for yourself? I mean, it's like you said, with our fitness journey, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, it's been two years that I've been with Isogenics. I built quickly and strongly because I had two feet in and I kind of put what I call horse blinders on. I didn't listen to the naysayers. I didn't listen to anything. It's like anything I do, if I want to do it, I put two feet in and I put my horse blinders in and I go to town. So I think that mentality helped me build quicker than maybe other people because other people may, you know, get a few no's or get a few judgments and criticisms and then throw the towel in or take a step back or think about it. But I knew when I had the product in me and I knew when I, you know, read about the company and the longevity and the compensation plan that this is something that I could roll with. Once I knew that much, everything else was noise, right? I just blocked out the noise and I just went with it. Stigma. I think that honestly, to, to be totally transparent here, I think that we are in a day and age 
where it's kind of lost the taboo and the stigma to a certain degree. I mean, I, the most influential and powerful people in my world in London or on social media do some kind of network marketing, right? Whether it's doTERRA oils or Stella and Dot or Rodan and Fields or, and I think it's such a beautiful thing because all it is is direct sales. So we're just taking out the middleman. We're taking out the brick and mortar business and the storefront and we're going right to a trusted source. And if I could support a girlfriend with an amazing product, instead of going to a big, big box corporation and supporting them, I'd rather do that. Mm-hmm. So there'll always be stigma about something, especially because here's the thing. Network marketing is a powerful tool when you use it and you do it correctly. It's not a get quick rich scheme. It literally is like any other business, like any other job. If you want it to work and you work hard at it and I work eight hours a day at it, I don't just like, I call it post and pray. I see so many people here, this is my product. And then they pray that somebody's going to reach out to them. No, I, I mean, I'm a network marketer. I reach out to people. I have events. I'm having an event at my house tomorrow night. I, I'm, I put myself out there. I reach out to people. I'm, I'm working, right? So mm-hmm. that's why I'm successful. But I think it does have a bad name because so many people will say, I tried it. It didn't work for me. It's stupid, right? I didn't make anything. It's- well. It's a business, and I don't think that people really understand that. I mean, if you just rely on your friends and family to grow any business, you will not be successful. You need to grow the networks. You need to grow some sort of a brand for yourself on top of a company that you work with. And I think it's a great solution for those who are ready to work it. You know, it, yes. it you need to work it, and it doesn't always just happen overnight, And but nothing does. Exactly. Nothing does. Nothing does. And and for me, the beautiful thing of, of network marketing is the residual passive income part. So when you work your organization correctly and you do it for the long haul, you're going to receive passive income, residual income instead of having to work every hour. So in my old life and in most people's life, they work an hour, they get paid an hour, whatever that frat, whatever that money might look like, right? And the minute you stop working, the money stops coming in. The difference with network marketing is you build up such an organization, and if you do it correctly, which you're, you should be doing, then you get that passive residual income coming in, even if you decide to stop for a while, whether you take a month off and go you know, on vacation, or you take a month off to go help build homes in Guatemala, or you decide to take a little break, whatever it may be, your money doesn't stop coming in, mm-hmm. which, is, which is great, right? Yeah, it's, it's a leverage. And you know, financial freedom or living that freedom lifestyle, you cannot just trade your hours for dollars and expect to make a lot of money, you will always be capped. So, you know, whether it's taking on network marketing or, or having a business where there is leverage of other people working in your business is really the only way to, to get ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Now with building a team, have you had issues with, uh, retention or motivating people or getting people to understand that it is a business? I mean, a hundred percent. This has been a two year journey. There's people who started with me at the beginning who are still with me two years later. And there's people who are not. And that's, I guess that's expected. Um, just like any job, you know, I'm sure when David patch Evans hired me at good life, he didn't expect, you know, people to go, you know, he's like a revolving door of trainers. <laughs> um, and it's the same thing with this and half of my job now at the point where I am, and I've built such a large organization is the motivation, is the motivating piece. It's the inspiring piece. It's making sure that they're, you know, I don't just sign people up for shakes. I help women create a, a, 
financial freedom. And through that is self-development through that are weekly meetings through that are events through that is making sure that they're doing their, their self-development piece as well. So it's, it's definitely, you know, I, I create this team and, and we're together and we're, we're building this legacy together. Mm-hmm. So with building an organization, obviously this is a very different business model than what you were doing before uh, with health and fitness. What have been some of your learning lessons with jump uh, with stepping into this leadership role? So many, because I was used to working by myself, a lone wolf behind a computer. So now that you're leading a team of women, especially I would say women, because that's 99% of of my team anyway, of network marketers. And they seem to do really well women. And I think it's because it, it works well with stay at home moms. It works well with entrepreneur type, et cetera, et cetera, is that you have to realize that there's so many different types of characters and, and, and personalities to deal with. And when I started and my team will tell you this, I just expected everybody to be Rita. I expected everybody to work as hard as me. I expected everybody to want it as bad as me. And I expect everybody to have the same goals as me, which is to go big, to go strong, to go high, to, I mean, everything I do, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability or I'm not going to do it. And then I had to realize that, especially with something like this, a lot of people love the product and they just want to share it with a few people on the side that they don't want to go to every event. They don't want to speak on stage. They don't want to do all these things that I want to do. And that was a learning process to meet people where they're at, right? Instead of trying to pull them up to your dream and having crucial conversations, right? Like, what is your vision? You know, if you were on my team, Sarah, I'd say, Sarah, what is your vision for this, Right. And you would, we would talk about your financial vision. We would talk about your contribution. We would talk about your, your physical, we would talk about all these different aspects and areas of life. And then I would help you develop that and come up with a game plan within isogenics to help you fulfill those dreams. Um, and that's something that I've had to learn as well. Like all of those skills are not skills that I was born with. I had to learn those skills and you learn them through going through the trenches with everybody. Absolutely. And I love what you said there about everybody is different. And I mean, Joe and I as well, like we have that, that hunger mentality and it's, it's hard when you have other people you expect big things for them, but they're just happy doing 50%. And you're like, yeah, okay, cool. And that's a learning experience to understand that if they are happy, if that is their vision, then you need to feed into that vision as well. 100%. Do you believe that entrepreneurship is something you're just born with, you know, having that hunger mentality, or do you believe that people can grow into it? Ooh, it's a good question. I think you have to be a little crazy. <laughs> um, I, I, that's a great question. I, I, I don't know. What do I believe? I believe everybody has a dream. Everybody has a dream. And sometimes those dreams can fall into working for other corporations or working for other people. I think some people innately need a direct hand to hold their hand or leadership or tracks to run on or some kind of structure. I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to see outside of that structure and start creating things on your own. So I think that some personalities and and characters and people need a bigger, uh, kind of a bigger organization or something to help them fulfill their dreams. And they can absolutely live a beautiful, abundant, fulfilling life within that realm. And I think other people, like I, I came out of my mom searching for something, you know, and every time I kind of 
outgrow my box, I I bust it open and I go to the next box. I bust it open. I go to the next box because I'm always searching for more. And it doesn't mean that I'm not happy. I'm very happy and content. If I were to die right now, I'd be very happy and content. But the complacency and the kind of just stagnancy doesn't work well with my trait and my personality, right? Um, So I think fulfillment, abundant dreams is for everybody, but maybe entrepreneurship and kind of envisioning and creating something on your own is is only for some. Mm-hmm. I don't yes. know. What do you believe? Yeah, you no, believe? I love that. I, I'm pretty much on par with what you said there. It, it takes a very self-starter mentality, a very self-discipline mentality, and the ability to see a greater vision and see it through and the consistency of it and and knowing that it's not going to happen overnight. There's going to be many roadblocks or detours probably along the way, but Yeah. I I believe that some people do need that definite self-direction and they just work better with going into work and knowing I have to do ABC today and go home and shut your mind off. As an entrepreneur, your mind does not shut off. Exactly. I would almost say like, if you jump out of bed, I I mean, I love podcasts. I've been on many, you have your own. I used to have one with a, with somebody in London and I think they're great. Here's what I, and I, and I use them as a way to fill in my day. I listen to one a day but what I don't is I don't need podcasts. So, and and let me just rephrase this. If I, when I jump out of bed every day, I have a fire inside of me that makes me go. And I say every single day, who do I get to serve today? You know, I ask God, the universe, whatever you believe. I say, God, who do I get to serve today? And that fire is enough inside of me. And my, you know, my why and my vision in life is enough for me to take action. Other people need a podcast, a book, a video of, you know, Adele or Justin Timberlake singing at the, at the Super Bowl or whatever to ignite their fire for them. So they're looking for external motivators and mine is internal, mm. uh, not mine, I think. And so I think that might even be the difference between, you know, entrepreneur or not entrepreneur, you know, like self-starter or, or you're looking for the fire from somebody else to ignite your own. Yeah. Because you can love personal development and love that consumption aspect of it. Yeah. A lot of people just love the consumption. And sure, they're inspired by maybe those people taking action. But when it actually comes right down to it, it can be a little hard for them to ignite that within themselves. Yeah. yeah I love that. You summed that up so beautifully. So what is your focus for 2018? What's Rita working on right now? Oh, lots. Lots going on in my, in my little head over here. Um, definitely there's a calling to, to go back to this whole food culture thing. I don't know what that looks like yet. It's just kind of floating around in my head, but it's, it's there. Um, my husband and I are building a home in Spain that should be done this year. So that's using a little bit of our energy time and, and finances. Um, we want to expand our team in Isogenics globally. So we'll be traveling a little bit more and opening a team in Europe. Um, continually to do my self-development as I said, I'm going to see Brendan Bouchard this year and, and continue doing that. I'd like I to love Brendan. Sorry. I just have yeah. to say that. Love. Yeah. Him. Fantastic. I'm excited. He's speaking at our big event in Nashville in August. So we'll be going to see him. Um, and yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's the first quarter or so. So, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of open to whatever happens just like this conversation with you is just kind of open to whatever came. Um, so it's kind of like the way I'll take this year. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good. It sounds like you're in a nice flow. I mean, yes. I know through my own journey of entrepreneurship, there's times where you feel like you're, you're pushing, pushing and yeah. there's resistance. Yeah. Whereas if you can just let it flow and let things unfold as they are, it seems to just land the way it's supposed to. 
Yeah. For me, 2017 was about pushing and resistance and hard, a little bit of hardship and sacrifice. And this year's more about just abundance and flow and receiving. And, and, and so we'll see, we'll see so far. So good. Good. So I end every podcast with one question. Okay. If you could go back to your 25 year old self, what would you want her to know? So that was before I had my baby. Um, wow. What would I want her to know? I think to just, to just, to just enjoy even the, to enjoy even the dark spots or the, the, the the places in my life that didn't have, you know, a call from this magazine or a, you know, a a trip coming up or the highlight reel to just enjoy the in-between too, because it's in those times that, that growth happens. I think I was always so resistant to like a day off or no projects on the horizon or no, um, you know, no big trips coming up or it was just kind of like the mundane. And I think it's in that mastering that daily mundane that, that all of the beautiful things will, will happen. So I think it would just tell her to say, like, don't worry, Rita, just enjoy it all. Enjoy it all. It's all part of your journey and your process and, and, and don't struggle on those days. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Rita. Thank I truly you. Appreciate your talk, and I'm I'm so happy we got to connect. Me too. Thank, thank you. you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Honestly, shows and podcasts like this are not possible without you. So I have so much gratitude for my listeners. You freaking rock. If you want to find me over on Instagram, I am sarah.fennel. Tag me in a post. Let me know what your favorite episode is. Hit me up with a DM. I will always write you back. Shows like this are not possible without ratings and reviews. So if you feel so moved, please write me an honest comment, an honest review, and let us know what you think of the show. 